Welcome to Episode 2 of Coordinated Strike as we march on to war. What are we playing for? That is a tremendous question, and one we're going to answer a little bit tonight. Uh, we're going to be delving into, at least at a high level, some of the operation concepts uh, that we're going to be fighting over in Weird's new miniature game, The Other Side. So these are going to be what are known as operational elements. Uh, they're going to be the basics of the scenarios, which in The Other Side are known as operations. So without further ado, let's get into it. All right, so what are some of your basic operations? What are some of your basic operational elements? Well, one of the key ones to understand is the objective marker. Uh, the objective marker is at the heart of nearly every operation in the other side. Uh, the objective markers are neutral until claimed. If uh, the scenario may have special rules that will allow you to claim them, may have a special rule uh, regarding an aura around them, and may have special rules about uh, placement or removal of said objectives. And all of those have ways of scoring you points, and that'll be detailed in the operation itself. Uh, one of the other things about them is they're going to require, typically for the interaction portion, uh, the use of both an action and a tactics token to utilize. So they really start to become a drain on resources as you trade your resources for victory points. And you have to keep uh, them in mind. Some of them can be placed uh, in a prescribed manner. There may be some that are fixed, and there may be some where you have a little more flexibility uh, in where they go, and that uh, kind of allows it to vary as to where their placement is. All right, some of the other bits for it are going to be killing specific models. One of the uh, One of the main things that you're always able to do in a game of the other side is to try and kill the enemy's command structure. If you can try and remove their commanders. Um, each commander is worth a certain number of victory points. And so they're always a great source of power for your particular faction, but they're also a little bit of a weakness. You're not going to lose the game automatically if your commander is killed, but you're going to be a little bit behind the eight ball, and you're also going to be giving up some victory points, so you want to make sure that they're as safe as they can be, and that you have a plan to attack your enemy's stronghold uh, to remove them as they can be game-winning to remove, just not game-ending. Uh, one of the other bits to consider in the objective play is there may be additional points for killing uh, units in certain positions. And so your unit placement becomes even more paramount. And so these are all things that we want to try and, and talk about a little bit as you look at your purchases on your backer kit, uh, start coming up with ideas for list. And I want to kind of contextualize a few things as we kind of in intelligently build lists towards these objective goals. So in the operations, there, there are many different operations within the book. 
that we're going to be seeing shortly. And again, we're going to look at scenarios that have some fixed objective placement and some that have some variable placement and some combinations therein. So let's imagine a operation where there's going to be four objectives on the table. One, each of us gets to determine where its position is and two that have a prescribed position on the board. And let's say that they have to, when replacing them, they can't be in our deployment zone. They can only be in the territory between the center, behind our center line and before our deployment zone. And now let's say if we claim that objective on our side, it's worth a small amount of points. But if we can claim the one on our opponent's side, it's worth a large amount of victory points. And the ones in the center are worth a moderate amount of victory points because they're a little more neutral. All right, so now we have the, the basic concept of basic framework for an operation. And, of course, we're going to throw in there that the commanders are going to be worth a moderate amount of victory points to kill. So now we have something that we're fighting over. So we have some decisions to make within our list. And so I'm going to approach this with all the knowledge that uh, I've just kind of given you there. We have objectives that need to be claimed. The points vary as to how much they're worth based on their position. Both me and my opponent have the ability to determine the position of one marker. Two markers are going to be affixed in a fixed position that does not change. Uh, special rule allows for the markers to be claimed with a tactics token when you are unengaged within a certain number of inches of them. Alright, so we have that information. Again, we get two points for a commander kill. And I'm going to be facing uh, the Cult of the Burning Man. And so I'm going to build a two-commander list. I've decided to play a two-commander game with my uh, my friend or my mate. And I'm going to be playing with my Abyssinia. So some things to consider. Uh, we're, going to th- we're going to talk a lot about our enemy in this particular setup. We're going to be facing an exceedingly mobile force in the Cult of the Burning Man. This is a good point uh, if you're not familiar with the cards to go to weird forward slash games dot net and click on the games button, click on miniatures, and click on the other side. And then scroll down the page and click on the button for the Cult of the Burning Man and bring up their preview cards. Alright, so we're going to look at their Allegiance card. And this kind of tells you what you really need to know about the faction. They utilize Shaken Tokens to both glory uh, and have an ability as cards come out of their deck. If one of them is an ace and it's discarded, 
They get to place a shaken token on any unit. This includes your units. And they're exceedingly mobile. Uh, they get some markers that they get to place down that their units can jump to. So they are an exceedingly speedy force and can apply pressure very quickly. And as we stated before, this is a scenario that has objectives that will be fixed at the beginning of the game and has some variable ones that we will place. But again, at the beginning of the game, all the locations are going to be known and those markers are going to be down and your opponent's going to have a very good idea of where they want to be and you're going to have to be playing a little bit of catch-up against them just because they are superior in mobility to you uh, as Abyssinia. Abyssinia is not slow, but nothing in the game is really as in-your-face and quick as a Cult of the Burning Man army can be. And so we're going to build with these things in mind. Um, this is an operation itself, again, that we want to be moving towards the opponent's side of the table to get their objective. Again, because of what I've described. And so we we don't want to be slow. We want to be quick. We want to be able to move and counter-move and react to our opponent a little bit. And in certain cases, try and be as progressive as we can be against them. Uh, so what are we going to be looking for? We're going to be looking for units that have the ability to strike deep and remove whatever our opponent has in that back port portion. So we're looking to strike fast and strike hard. Something that Abyssinia is pretty good at. Uh, one of the other things that I'm going to be looking for is while they have the teleport ability with their portals, those are fixed points that I know, and there's some restrictions on their placement. So I'm going to have avenues along the flanks to get an early advantage in speed against them and where I can whiz down the flanks with certain units and so I'm going to look for those types of units and put them into my list the other thing that I'm going to be very cautious with because of the units that are available in Cult of the Burning Man is I want to make sure that I have good protection solutions for my commanders so the two commanders that I'm going to be bringing as Abyssinia are Prince Unathe and the Lord of Steel. And I'm going to kit them a little differently this game than I have in some of the other, or at least in the first list that I've discussed with Abyssinia. Lord of Steel, I'm going to give a deflector shield and a, a soulstone necklace too. Prince Unathe is only going to get his mind control device. And the reason he's getting that is I want to have a 120mm hazardous plate that I can place near and move around my opponent's uh, markers. I want it, their, their portal markers. I want to counter some of their mobility with a denial element. And because Cult has access to the ECB Black Ops, who gain strength against units, a strength per asset on a unit, I want to try and limit the strength advantage that they get against Prince Unathi. 
the Lord of Steel already has a very high armor tolerance, and he's going to be kind of leading the charge very much in this army and using his mobility. So even though he's going to be up in the fight and closer to potentially the ECB, I want him engaging the enemy force as often as possible, where it's going to be a little bit more difficult for them to shoot him uh, and take advantage of the strength bonus that they're getting on the, on those pistols. So that's, that's kind of why I'm going two on the Lord of Steel, where Prince Anafi I want to keep back, uh, and I want to keep him as safe as I can, but I'm going to limit the, the upgrade, the asset on him to just one. Alright, so the rest of the list. I'm going to add a Marauder, uh, which is the motorcycle. Uh, really cool dual seater motorcycle that has one of the best rules in the game for an objective runner, which is two seater. What this means is it can get a rush order and take any action at once, not just a close melee attack. You know, a close claw attack. It can, it can take a tactical act. It can take a, uh, a morale action. It can take a, so that includes, you know, running up and claiming an objective. It can, it can rush forward, claim an objective. It can use its afterburner, go even further, even deeper, or it can shoot its really strong machine gun. And it's only three points, so we're super excited about it. Uh, one of the other units I'm bringing is the Bathocav. These guys are way better than you may be thinking. And part of it is the mobility that they bring. The other part of it is the counter-mobility that they bring in that they can dish out tactics tokens 26 inches away. And they hit very hard on the charge. And they're four points. They are a super great flank unit. And you should be considering them. Um, additionally, there's one that you get... Uh, if you're a backer, uh, they're your free unit for Abyssinia. So, definitely something to take advantage of and, and something to think about. Alright, so now let's get into the meat of this list a little bit. We're going to run two units of Crow Runners. The reason we're running the Crows... The Crows get a free move at the start of every turn. And this move, because it is not part of an order, does not generate disengaging strikes. So we can be very mobile, very quick with this particular element of our army, hit relatively hard and above their weight as a six-point unit because of the strength of the strength of the uh, shotguns, uh, the range is, is not nearly as limiting as it appears because of that free movement. And they can keep up with the Lord of Steel. They really can. Uh, which means he's going to have bodies he can use the commander ability off of and stay upright. So I want two units in there. Um, for those counting at home, that is one more than comes in the starter box. Uh, but don't fear, we have more of the starter box that's being used. I'm running both units that come in the starter of Mahal Safari. And the idea with both of them is that they are kind of the core center of this particular list. They're going to provide 
really great counterpunch to some of the heavy melee that is a, that is potentially coming from our friends in the Cult of the Burning Man. And it, they'll be able with their strength for base, uh, Tabuki to, uh, punch through, punch through the armor and start whittling them down pretty quickly. Uh, additionally, I'm gonna kind of run them with the concept of each unit is dedicated to the leaders. Uh, one's gonna be dedicated to Prince Unafi and one's gonna be dedicated to Lord of the Steel. Uh, Lord of Steel unit, you're gonna expect to probably rush first turn, not get a lot of work done, uh, but they're gonna be moving forward rapidly to get in position for a pivotal turn to attack. Unless our opponent becomes very aggressive early with their, with their portals. If they become aggressive early, we're gonna be leading the charge and, and trying to break, uh, the enemy where possible. Uh, cause the Mahal are, are no slouches at nine points a pop. And then finally, we're gonna use our remaining points, uh, which you should notice is ten, to bring a dreadnought. And we're gonna hit this particular dreadnought with three, with three mounted gunners. We're going to run it as a pure gun platform. So it's going to be capable on the trigger of generating four strength three pinning shots a turn. Again, keeping up the theme of we want to play a very ranged hammer into the very aggressive melee hammer that is coming Primarily from Cult of the Burning Man. Or that we think is coming from Cult of the Burning Man in this particular, this particular build out. And that's, that's kind of our list. Again, the Dreadnought's main idea is to go after and focus down a squad. We want it to finish off units that the Mahal have kind of gone after or soften up units that the Mahal are going to be coming into or that the Crows are coming into. And I want to, when we're going to talk deployment of it, because Titans are going to deploy first prior to your other elements deploying because of how the, uh, the p- deployment works. If we are in the first position... We want to really look at the opponent's marker placement. If their portal marker placement is signaling to be very aggressive on one side or the other, we want to play toward the more aggressive side with our, with our dreadnought. And we don't want to take up too much of a center position. We really want to look at how the markers are placed, and if they've got two creeping over to one side, that's kind of the side that we want to place our dreadnought on. It's where we're going to make our stand with our titan. We're going to say anything that pops out is subject to getting shot up before it gets to do anything. And again, it's that concept of limiting the mobility advantage as best as we can with Abyssinian kind of denying uh, 
as easily as possible. So when you're also looking at your mine placement, if you see a, a load up to one side or the other of the portal markers, getting that minefield down and then placing in line essentially with the minefield, the dreadnought, means they're going to have to walk through death to get to your dread, and your dread's going to shoot them all the way in, and then probably just walk away from them and shoot them some more. Because uh, the dreadnought is not slow at all. So those are some things to consider with the with the list that we have here. Now let's kind of see what our opponent has brought. And they're going to bring Ariaptus, Ariaptos, uh, he's going to have a Memory Stirs and Corona Flame. Uh, he's going to be accompanied by Fenton Brahm with an Arcane Tome and a Flaming Effigy. We're going to have two units of Warped. We're going to have a unit of Doomseekers, again, taking advantage of the free unit. And they're going to run with a Raving Madman in the unit so that they can take their Shaken Tokens and not have ill effects from them, which is very good on one of your range support units that you're bringing in, primarily a melee list with the support coming in the form of the of the commanders. And you'll notice that the my opponent has brought commanders that are fully kitted with all their all their asset allocation. And I think this is a very smart idea. Uh, they're looking to kind of bunker their troops a little... bunker their f commanders a little bit against a superior ranged foe. So they're going to shove their army forward. They're going to use Adiaptos and Fenton to reduce the efficiency from range of my army at range to try and allow their counterpunch to get there and and stop me. And they've brought some ranged elements to help in that element. The other thing they've brought is they've brought a Gore Scythe. So the Gore Scythe, for those that don't know, is the Cult of the Burning Man's Titan, and he is a melee juggernaut with regeneration. Uh, he is a glass cannon. He has the lowest armor of any of the titans in the game. That being said, he does have some of the greatest volume of attacks that can be generated, and for a card, he can add an asset a turn. Not many other units can state that. But the bulk of his attacks, save for one, are going to be in melee. So with that knowledge... I want to keep my Dreadnought away from him. So because the Titans have to deploy first, if my opponent gets the first turn and the first placement, their positioning is going to help determine my positioning even more so than the teleport markers. Well, the teleport markers are still a key indicator. If they centrally locate... They're Titan. We want to offset. Probably more than we would normally. Almost flank with the Titan. 
And again, the idea is to stay out of its charge range, but stay as close as we can to jump in to start hitting it with our guns, which are going to do significant damage to it pretty easily, just because of its lower armor stat. And finally, they're going to bring uh, ECB Black Ops, because ECB Black Ops are amazing, and in a faction, Abyssinia, that gets free prototypes that we get to put on our units, which are assets, the ECB go up in strength, and they're already strength 4 base, meaning against anybody that has a base asset added to them from prototype, they're going to be minimally strength 5. And with average armor 8 in uh, in Abyssinia, you're looking at only a 3 to do a damage. And so it really ups their, their lethality. So one of the units that I'm going to be looking to headhunt as much as possible are the ECB. I want to get those guys out of the fight as soon as I can. They're the greatest threat to my Titan. They're the greatest threat to my commanders. And they're the greatest threat to my units in general. The Warped are very strong, but they've got to get there from melee or jumping in with their ability. And if they're jumping in with their ability, unless they're gloried, they're not getting the trigger to do an attack. They're losing out on at least one fire team worth of attacks as they jump to get into the fray with the unit. So, these are things to keep in mind. Alright, so we want to be very cautious of the Gorsythe. We want to be very cognizant of where the ECB are. And we want to be really keeping a focus on the mobility that's present with the Cult of the Burning Man. And we want to use our crows to help block objectives where possible. So to kind of give you a a brief outline of of base deployment that I'm looking at, on either my extreme left or my extreme right, I want to place down the Marauder. And then next to them, a little bit of spacing, I want to have my Batho Cav. Then I want a unit of Crow Runners. Then I want my two units of Mahal Safari within the dead center of my list. Or with the, in the dead center of the list, I want the Mahal Safari. I want the two units together as an anchor rock. Behind them, slightly, I want to have Prince Unathe. Then, depending on where my opponent has placed their Gorsythe. My Dreadnought is going to be slightly off-center, slightly off-center of my brick, or more towards the flank. Again, depending on if I went first or second. Then next to the Dreadnought is going to be the Lord of Steel, again, on the deployment zone line. And he's going to be backed up about three inches from a unit of crow runners. And so the crows are going to cover the flanks of the main core of the army, which are the Mahals, 
the Dreadnought, and the Lord of Steel with Prince Unafe. On an extreme flank, we're having our Marauder and our Batho Cav. And I want to own a flank. I will give up another flank simply because the makeup of this particular Cult of the Burning Man list isn't going to be able to take advantage of that flank overly hard. They're already going to be very mobile, but they're going to be stuck for that turn that they jump. Outside of the warp, to have the ability to jump to another, jump to an enemy uh, with their with their tactical ability or their morale ability. So this is kind of a quick other overview of. Uh, some of the scenario elements and kind of building lists to said scenario elements. Um, there's some very interesting things that are in the scenarios, guys. There's a lot of interesting things you can do uh, with objectives and kind of that core base rules uh, that I've given for them where the, the operation is going to set up what special rules involve the objectives, where you can place them, if you can place them, where they're, whether you can add more to them, or if you can take them away, uh, whether their position matters or not, whether your position to them matters or not, uh, and if you can claim them, and kind of the points value associated with claiming them in a particular particular game or where they're where they're at on the field or if you've removed them add to that the fact that commanders are worth victory points if you kill them add to that that units themselves and fire teams themselves could be worth points and they may be worth more depending on where they're killed So you have a lot of scenario elements there, and it, not to mention that uh, the ob the objectives themselves could have auras associated with them with special rules. So these are all things to start thinking about as you're building your list, and you really want to start looking at some of your opponents in the game as well, and kind of thinking of ways that they might build their list, and ways that you can build your list to counter or at least have a counter to their particular playstyle, regardless of what you're bringing. Uh, the list that I've highlighted here, yes, um, for those that are very astute, are essentially box sets with the Kickstarter bonuses. Uh, I was taking advantage of the backer kit specials and, the, and those that were uh, smart enough to get in on the Kickstarter. Uh, but they're also great ways to just grow into that force because they use a bulk of your starter set in both of these lists. And they mean for those on the Kickstarter backer kit that back to the appropriate level, a single additional purchase. So it's not uh, not too hard to to get to where you need to be very competitive and have a very compelling, interesting list with what I've kind of presented here. 
So the dreadnought that I have kitted out, again with the three mounted gunners, is what I affectionately call the Hellfire configuration. Because that's exactly what it's trying to do. It's going to try and shoot the living crap out of anything on the opponent's side. And I want to use them again, as I was kind of trying to describe earlier, in conjunction with another unit. Um, this particular Abyssinia list is going to look to, again, branding, coordinated strike when it is advantageous and when it's going to result in unit destruction as best as possible. So let's say in our scenario that the Cult of the Burning Man have gone first. I have deployed as prescribed. And they begin their assault on me by having a unit of warped warp over on my half of the table but towards a central objective. So they're not quite close enough to do anything to that objective this turn, but they're threatening it, threatening it for turn two, and they're going to deny me potentially getting there to do anything with it because they're kind of boxing me out. And I can see this this idea kind of forming where they're going to try and own the center, they're going to let me have my one, but they're going to own the center, not let me get to any of the juicy middle objectives, and they're sure as heck not going to let me get to the, the far objective. They're going to try and own the center, force the fight, and use their mobility to jump to the flank as my flankers come around. So what I want to do in this type of situation is I want to kind of look and test out, see if I can get there with the Titan and the Mahal this turn. If I can do that, I want to weaken that force. Because if I can get, if I can take out a warped, I will. I want to take out the warped unit. Uh, warped are nasty guys, and they are really difficult to deal with if they haven't activated. If they've activated, you have a much easier time. Not that it's easy, but it's a, a little easier time of getting through them and getting into them and and whittling them down and. The firepower of the Dreadnought with the three mounted gun gunner upgrades and a unit of, full unit of Mahals going into them with their guns can do some serious damage. It is a lot of, a lot of output. And we're doing the output at ranged where the warped are frankly less scary. And it's after they've activated, so they don't get the benefit of their arcane shield, which would lower their defense, which would lower, which would lower their armor, because they're not benefiting from the arcane shield. So, definitely something to think about. You want to look for opportunities for coordinated strikes within 
within your force at any given time. And also look for places where it's appropriate for your opponent to do it and try and limit the impact of them. This is a, this is a game of play and counterplay and it's really important that we understand all the little sub-mechanics that are going on in this particular game. And that's kind of the beauty of it, because everything is very elegant. It's very easy to kind of start thinking about these combos. And sometimes we miss them, or sometimes we're not seeing them on the table because we're in the, the heat of battle. So just kind of block everything out. Think about what you're doing. Think about what you're trying to build your force to do. Think about how it works. Think about how elements of it can work together. And then set those up in deployment. You're really thinking on a grand army scale at that point. Because you're you're looking at your list. I kind of look at, like to look at my list in a modular fashion. Um, some of the modules in this particular list that I would think about is the Lord of Steel and his personal Mahals. Uh, I would look at the two Crow Runners as actually a module together. Uh, the Dreadnought and the Mahal. The Marauder and the Bathocab. That's another combo unit that I kind of want to talk about a little bit as the flanker. So, as the flanker, their job is going to be to skirt the edge and try and force an element to come over and deal with them. If I can get the Doomseeker's attention, if I can get a unit of Warp's attention, or if I can get the Gorsyth's attention, I've spent seven points to get the attention of a nine-point unit, a ten-point unit, or an eight-point unit in this particular case for seven points. So if they were to trade... I actually trade favorably on those two. And if I'm p- tying down that resource, I'm actually tying down the resources very effectively because I'm only spending seven points to tie up eight, nine, or ten points on these particular units. And that still doesn't guarantee that, that anything's going to happen to them. So that flank element is very important because we're going to be moving along the side. We're going to be threatening the edge. And what we're really trying to do is force the battle to tilt slightly. If we can get a little bit of movement, if we can force an element to come over, force it to be dealt with, then we can take advantage with our main force and swing harder into that gap. Because let's say in this example that the Doom Seekers are going to be what's assigned to remove us. The Doom Seekers are going to have to move. They're going to have to spend their action shooting an element that I personally don't care that much about. They are essentially chaff. If they do something in this game, awesome. If they threaten deep and my opponent ignores them, they're going to grab his objective and I'm going to score a bunch of points. My opponent is not. They're going to be sad and ultimately lose the game because they couldn't deal 
with seven points of throwaway harassment. If they do go after them, I'm tying up huge amounts of resources for little expenditure. And the beautiful thing is the Bathocav and the Marauder have the potential to wipe out their commanders, or at least one of their commanders, in tandem together, particularly if I put the shock prototype on the Bathocav. Because then I have a precise weapon that I'm hitting their commanders with, which means I'm ignoring if there are any troops there, and I'm just hitting the commander, the commander has to use their assets to prevent the damage. And I have no issue trying to bring down Fenton Brom or Adiaptos or forcing them to use their shaken tokens on me as opposed to their army or other elements of my army. Because again, the Bathocav and the Marauder, the flank element, are chaff. They are expendable. And we're going to rely on my opponent betting hard, flying forward, being aggressive, and we're going to take advantage of that, him being over-aggressive, and throw that flank forward. With that flank element, I have the potential to cut off their support. My main army then gets an overwhelming advantage at point of attack. Because while they're trying to box me out, my flank element is going, you're not going to box me out, and now you've just ran past where you need to be in order to score points. And ultimately, scoring points is how you win the game. And so, to kind of give you more of a visual, we're going to win very much in a phalanx style with Abyssinia. We're just going to replace long, long, long spears and pole arms for guns. And then we're going to have excellent cavalry elements that are going to threaten deep and force decisions out of our opponent that are not always the best for them. And that's that's kind of how this particular army is built to win. Now let's flip it over to the other side. Let's talk about how this Cult of the Burning Man force uh, is actually tooled very well for Abyssinia and can really throw some major wrenches into what I'm trying to do. They can actually play a very solid, very interesting, high-mobility defensive game. So, looking at it here, uh, Adiaptus and Fenton are both configured to get their army to glory rapidly and then switch over to let's drop shaken tokens on our opponent and really start to make the effectiveness of our troops way better. So if I were to deploy them, I'm going to 
talk about marker placement first. I'm going to talk about my 80 millimeters first. Uh, or I'm sorry, my 50 millimeter portal markers first. And I'm going to get four of them because I've got Adioptos. The main portal marker that is important for my placement is actually going to be the portal marker on my side of the table because I haven't bought brought stocking portals. And the reason I haven't brought them is I wanted to bring the Gorsythe on the list. And I was not about to give up commander protection against Abyssinia who has access to a lot of precise who has access to a fairly strong ranged catalog not nearly as strong as King's Empire but very strong stronger than what I can pull off as Cult of the Burning Man and so I want to keep my commanders safe and the way I'm going to do that is I'm going to make sure both of them have two assets. And both of the assets are going with the strategy of get as many shaken tokens onto things as quickly as possible to utilize our glory sides, bask in the light of the Burning Man, embrace the crazy, and roll forward. Uh, you'll notice that there are two unit shooting elements in this list. They're the Doomseekers and the ECB. Uh, I've talked earlier about what a pain the ECB are to Abyssinia, and as Cult of the Burning Man, you have to understand that this is your trump card versus Abyssinia, because Abyssinia is going to use their prototypes. If they're, if they're not, they're giving up activations. They're giving up actions. And they're giving up advantages. But they're going to trade that advantage against you for higher strength, more effective shooting versus them. So my ECB are really there to crack armor. They're really there to help get through as much as I can. In this list, the Gorsythe is actually your throwaway element. And I know that sounds really bizarre, but your Gorsythe is going to be how you make your breakthrough in this particular game. There are their job is to close with the enemy in an intelligent manner, activate late, find elements that have gone too far forward on the opponent's half, come and eat them, and then repeat the process on the following turn. So the Gorsythe is a style of unit that I like to refer to as a line breaker. So what is a line breaker? A line breaker is an element in your force that is designed to destroy, cripple a high-value target in your opponent's force. And if it succeeds in doing that, it's already made its points back. So let's say we trade the Gorsythe for a full unit of Mahal. The Gorsythe is less armor... One more point, but less armor than the Mahals are. And the Mahals have give greater security to the opponent's commanders than the Gorsite does. So I'm opening the commanders up to greater potential risk. I'm killing off a strong anchor unit 
in my opponent's list, and I'm trading it for a unit that, while very strong, isn't isn't nearly as valuable as my Warped are in this particular matchup. Because the Warped are more than capable of taking down the Dreadnought, more than capable of killing off the commanders on their own, and they have extreme mobility. Where the Gorsythe does have some very strong mobility, but it's not nearly the level of those other two units that I've mentioned. We're going to combine that with the ranged access of the ECB and the Doomseekers. These three elements really are my softeners. The Warped are what I'm going to ultimately win with. The Doomscythe, or Doomseekers, the Gorsythe, and the ECB are the elements that are going to help destroy the opponent's force the most. The Warped are going to win the game. Because the Warped are going to stay upright. The Warped are going to have the game-winning charges that will break the enemy completely after they've been softened by the shooting and the rampaging of the Gorsythe, with support, of course, from Fenton and Adeptus. So, how would I deploy them? If I am Cult to the Burning Man and I have first turn, I'm going to place my portal marker within range of the bulk of my units. On my side, I'm going to put one marker down, not in my deployment, that is within range of most of my units to get there within a walk. And then the other three, I'm going to place fairly aggressively. I'm going to place one on my opponent's half of the table, just about eight and a half inches away from the centrally placed objectives, provided that the opponent hasn't placed a objective near them, or near that particular marker. The reason I want it in the center is I want to give the impression and give the potential for my force to jump right into the action, right into the center, and wreak havoc. Here's the secondary thing. If you've been studying at home, and you've done your homework and read the Cult of the Burning Man's Allegiance card, you're going to notice that they have tears in reality. If I'm placed eight and a half away, and it's the start of my turn, I can discard a card, and I can move a friendly portal up to six inches. If I do that, I want to retreat that towards the middle of the table. And now, I'm at an extreme of their threat range if I jump to that particular marker. And, if I've done my measuring right, I'll be in range of an objective if I jump to claim it. I want to put scenario pressure on my opponent as quickly as I can. I'm cult, I'm speedy, I want to force the issue 
I want them to come to me so that their their guns are less effective than my claws. And the other two markers, I want to place it very aggressively. I want to place them near my opponent's deployment zone. Because again, because of terrors in reality, I can move them. I can go backwards. I can go forwards. I can reinforce a flank. I want to present a lot of potential options and upsets to my opponent. And there's a strong possibility I don't utilize the portal turn one. I want to threaten the portal turn one. I may not use the portal turn one until I know I'm not going to have his entire list shooting at me. So we're going to use pass quite a bit in this particular build. And the reason we're doing that is we're playing Abyssinia. And Abyssinia says until all of their units have gone, the turn does not end if both people pass. So this means you can keep your force going. You know the turn's not going to end until all of their stuff has gone. Which means if you're smart about it, you can play a game where your stuff gets to go when it wants to with intelligent use of the pass action and intelligent management of your card hand. <coughs> so that's something I would definitely look at and look to take advantage of. So this has been some thoughts on uh, scenario elements, on how to construct a list based on those scenario elements, and how to kind of think about your opponent. And once you've seen the list that your opponent is bringing, kind of thinking through how you attack that list. How do you attack the operation, and how do you attack your opponent in such a way to give you victory. And we kind of looked at it from both sides. Uh, I'd love to hear what you think about this particular episode. Um, please send me your emails at CheatedFatesJoe, and you can reach me on Twitter uh, at CheatedFatesJoe as well. Uh, and then email address CheatedFatesJoe at gmail.com. Thank you for listening to another episode of, of uh, Coordinated Strike. And remember, when you've got a tactics token, you can call a Coordinated Strike. <laughs>